community commitment, organized as the movement to keep Squaw true. This wheelchair-accessible benefit for Sierra Watch focuses on the inspiring story of the ongoing seven-year struggle to stand up and defend Lake Tahoe in the Sierra Nevada. For more information on this event, please visit sierrawatch.org or you can call 530-265-2849, extension 201. Again, 530-265-2849, extension 201. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Open Book. This is Nina Serrano for Open Book, the poet-to-poet series. Today's poet is Judy Wells. She's written a wonderful book of poems, one of my favorites, Little Lulu. Welcome, Judy. Thank you, Nina. Tell us how you came to write about a comic book character and how you came to write about a comic book character who meets all of the important figures in Western civilization. Well, here's the story, Nina. I was teaching at St. Mary's College of California in Moraga in a graduate program, and one of the courses I had to teach was called Visions of the Self, and another was called The Creative Process. And I was reading or rereading some of the great thinkers of our time of, and also um, looking at visuals of people like Vincent van Gogh and Frida Kahlo. And often it was sort of so overwhelming after a class discussion that I would go home and be sort of a naive kind of innocent person trying to deal with these great thinkers and writers. And from there came the character of the comic book strip, Little Lulu, Right. Little Lulu, for me, has always been kind of a proto-feminist, sort of feisty, innocent person. And I thought, well, she could probably talk to these people better than I could. So read to us some of your Little Lulu poems. in the 21st century. Little Lulu gets up each morning, puts on her red dress, arranges her ringlets, and puts on her small white cap. I've had this dress on for over half a century, she sighs. Little Lulu goes shopping. She comes home with a brand new dress. What a mess, she says, staring at herself in the mirror. 
She has a new bright green little Lulu dress. That's not the problem. It's her hair. I've had these ringlets for over half a century, she sighs. And now they're gray. Little Lulu trots off to the hairdresser's. A Sufi hairstylist removes little Lulu's cap and with a swift nip of the scissors removes little Lulu's ringlets. She stirs up a green goo, slathers it on little Lulu's head and sets her under a hairdryer. Hours later, little Lulu emerges from the beauty salon with bright red hennaed hair topped with her little white cap. Little Lulu stares at herself in the mirror. She sees a new little Lulu, red hair, green dress. Will Tubby recognize her? Will Witch Hazel recognize her? She doesn't recognize herself. She wants a new career. She wants a new clubhouse. She wants excitement in her life. She decides to become a poet, even though Tubby will think she's nuts. Little Lulu is writing sonnets. Little Lulu is writing epics. Little Lulu is writing haiku. Little Lulu is writing free verse. What a mess, says Little Lulu as she reads her own lines. A man with a monocle approaches in pinstriped pants. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky. Oh, phooey, says little Lulu. My mother told me never to go off with strange men. Bug off. Little Lulu is not easily influenced. Her river runs deep, sweet. She does not yet know her labor will be long to find her little Lulu song. She snuggles up to her notebook in her clubhouse. The no boys allowed sign is tacked on her door. She'll explore her dreams. She'll explore the inner Lulu. She'll ride a shooting star to the moon and come back as a turtle or a frog or a deer. She'll die twice and resurrect. She'll change her dress three more times to yellow, purple, and then black. She'll cackle and she'll laugh. And then she'll be a poet. Little Lulu talks with Vincent Van Gogh. This blasted life of art is shattering, said Vincent. Why, Vincent, said little Lulu, you're destroying my concept of you. I thought you lived to create. I have lived, said Vincent, without a little Lulu. I have lived with a shrew, a prostitute I rescued from the streets in the winter, pregnant with a little boy. I love that little boy and his frail sister, too. But in the end, I had to choose the woman or art. You know what I chose. Do you see that deep rose aura around my head in my self-portrait in Paris? 
I was no saint, but I felt I was touched with eternity at times. Was art my god? Who can say? That other self-portrait with my Japanese eyes and my near-bare skull makes me look like a criminal. Perhaps I was. Perhaps I am. Tell me, little Lulu, are you afraid of criminals or saints? To a high degree, said little Lulu. I probably would have run from you on the streets of Paris with your red, red beard and your wild, wild eyes. But if you had gone down on your knees and begged, I might have posed for you in my starched red dress. Would you have distorted my ringlets with wilder and wilder curlicues? Would you have given me an aura of bright red streaks around my head? I would have laid you down on the red coverlet on my bed in Arles, said Vincent, posed you like Manet's Olympia in the nude in little red high-heeled shoes with a pom-pom on the front. I would have given you bouquets of blue irises, sprays of almond blossoms, and a huge sunflower rich with seeds for your bower. Oh, said little Lulu, Oh, oh, all these suitors, first T.S. Eliot, then St. Augustine, and now you. Even Sir Juana de la Cruz offered me a kiss. Can you offer me bliss, Vincent? Can you offer me a home, fresh milk, apples, almonds, and rich hot chocolate? Will you not drink 23 cups of coffee in a scant four days when I'm around, refrain from absinthe and cutting off body parts? I've no heart for madness, but I'd live inside your paintings, your church at Auvergne with its cobalt blue sky, or in a hotel on your river that starry night. Gracious child of the 20th century, said Vincent, caricature of womanhood much worse than my potato-eater peasants. What a couple we could have been if I hadn't blasted myself in that cornfield. I am shattered, little Lulu. Your outline is still intact. Walk back into your American comic book world and play with your friends in your clubhouse. Make love with Tubby while you still have time. I'm heading for eternity. with Frida Kahlo. Little Lulu, said Frida Kahlo, you need an extreme makeover. Those skinny legs need covering up. Why don't you try a Tijuana outfit like me? 
You need a long purple velvet skirt with a white cotton ruffle at the hem. You need a red silk blouse like the one I wore for my self-portrait for my lover, Leon Trotsky. You need a salmon shawl with long flowing fringe. Change your hair, little Lulu. Get rid of that silly cap. Here, I will braid your locks with hanks of red and purple yarn. I will set fresh gardenias in your locks, and you will be a queen, little Lulu, a queen with turquoise rings on every finger and bells on your bright red leather boots. But Frida, said little Lulu, with all that weight of velvet skirt, turquoise jewelry, bells and locks, I won't be able to walk. That's not the point said Frida. The point is to be remembered when you stand in a doorway between two white curtains. The point is to be immortal, like a goddess, like a great earth mother. The point is to be like me, Frida, my Lulu, my Lulacha, me muchacha, my Lulita, me. 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 with Virginia Woolf. There's an epigraph from Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own. If one is a man, still the woman part of the brain must have effect, and a woman also must have intercourse with the man in her. Coleridge said that a great mind is androgynous. It is when the fusion takes place that the mind is fully fertilized and uses all its faculties. The androgynous mind is naturally creative, incandescent, and undivided. Virginia Woolf, A Room of One's Own. Little Lulu talks with Virginia Woolf. Dear Virginia, Mary Beaton, Mary Seaton, Mary Carmichael, or whoever you are, I'd like to ask you whether I have an incandescent mind. You see, a few days ago, a light bulb went on in my mind, one of those solitary globes you yank with a chain, and then, yes, I felt incandescent. But then, boom, Tubby rushed into the room, yanked my chain in that little cartoon circle above my head, and out it went. I howled to the moon like a demented dog, nearly went crazy. My enlightenment was disturbed, but not before I saw a little wedding in my mind underneath the light bulb. There I was, a tiny me, all dressed up like a bride in white tulle, and there was Tubby, all dressed up in a tux, 
a tiny reduced tubby, and we were about to make love. And I knew just then my mind was about to become androgynous, and I could hardly wait for the fusion until that damn tubby yanked my chain and shut out the light. Maybe he just didn't want to marry me, Virginia. Maybe he just didn't want my mind to be whole. Do you think you could make him undergo a sex change like Orlando? Make him live like a woman for a few centuries? Make him grow emotionally? Make him bear a child? Oh, I can just see her now. She'd look just like me, little Lulu, with a tendency to be pudgy and have a big butt, and Tubby'd have to raise her on his own. That'd serve him right for putting out my light, my incandescence, my effervescence, that ever-loving androgyne in my mind. Talks with Rilke. An epigraph, Rilke, Letters to a Young Poet. The poet was Mr. Kappas. But young people err so often and so grievously that they, in whose nature it lies to have no patience, fling themselves at each other when love takes possession of them, scatter themselves in all their untidiness, disorder, confusion. And then what? Rilke, Letters to a Young Poet. Little Lulu talks with Rilke. My dear Mr. Rilke, I have a delicate matter to take up with you, but I'm an American, so I'm just going to have to blurt it out. I think your young poet might be perfect for me. So please, Mr. Rilke, could you set up a blind date for me to meet him? I know he's lonely, and I know how much you extol solitude, but I think he may need a woman like me, little Lulu. Well, I'm not exactly a woman yet, but I think Mr. Kappas is a teenager, too. And we have a lot in common. I love nature. I've got a woods right near my house with a genuine witch in it. I know you extol all things supernatural, and you think we don't pay enough attention to them. So I think a genuine witch and I are real pluses for Mr. Kappas. You can tell him he could get a green card if we hit it off, and he could come to America and marry me. I thought long and hard about this. My American boyfriend, Tubby, is just so unsophisticated. Mr. Kappas writes poetry, and that's what I want in a man. I know he's so lonely out there in that military school. I bet all the guys make fun of him reading poetry by Rainer Maria Rilke. I know suffering is kind of a German romantic thing to do, but I want to introduce him to Elvis and rock and roll and get him to let down his hair a little. Rock around the clock. 
So please, Mr. Rilke, please introduce me to Mr. Kappas. Wait a minute. Drats, I just read the introduction to your book. Mr. Kappas said he went into the military as a career. What a flake. I am so disappointed. Oh, well, Mr. Rilke, are you still available? My second choice was always you. Yours truly, Lulu. with Carl Jung. Dr. Jung, am I an archetype? Oh, you Americans, said Dr. Jung. Who do you think I am? I'm not an expert in your American comic book characters. Tell me who you think you are. Well, said little Lulu, I'm a girl. I wear a red dress. I'm smart, and those mean old boys are always trying to play tricks on me and keep me out of their clubhouse. Plus, I've got a wicked old witch, Hazel, who hangs out in the woods behind my house. Otherwise, I'm just a normal, all-American little girl. I see, said Dr. Jung. I see very clearly you're struggling with your negative animus. Are you quarrelsome, waspish, and overly opinionated? In addition, I see you have a witch on your head. Yes, I can see her very clearly now, little Lulu. You have a hook-nosed, warty witch on your head. Have you ever seen your shadow in the mirror? Dr. Jung, Dr. Jung, I'm too young to deal with all that negative baggage. I'm just a normal little American girl making my living in a comic book. Can't I be an archetype? Like maybe the child, an innocent child just reborn who screams and hollers and then beams the most beatific smile when she feels like it? Nine, nine, said Dr. Jung. You must individuate. You are not a divine child. You are an American born of a materialistic, shadow-driven society which pretends to be innocent by claiming the whole rest of the world is evil. If even one little Lulu individuates, you may inspire others. Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Donald Duck, and Minnie. You are the tip of a great iceberg of so-called innocent Americans. You must individuate. I, little Lulu, am a potential savior of the entire world? Megalomania already, snapped Dr. Jung. You Americans just don't get it. Go to sleep, little Lulu. Have a dream, two dreams, three dreams. Then come back and see me. Yes, you are an archetype. Tonight, 
I will dream and figure out of what it will be a Lulu of a dream. It will be a real Lulu. In the meantime, $150, please. St. Augustine in his clubhouse. How did you get in, says St. Augustine. Gus, says little Lulu, or should I call you Augie? I know there's a no girls allowed sign on the door, but Plato says it's okay for girls to enter the Guardian's clubhouse if they have a mind to do so, and I have a mind to do so. Okay, says St. Augustine, but now match this, my struggle of two wills. I'm a servant of the flesh. I'm a servant of the spirit. Which one will win? What's your struggle, little Lulu? Well, Gussie, says little Lulu, the main one was just getting up the courage to walk through your door. But now that I'm here, let me ponder your question. I'm a servant of the flesh. Yes, I eat, I drink, I have sex. Please don't tell my mother. She still thinks of me as a tiny girl, though I'm now 16. Yes, I'm a servant of my spirit, too. I've spent many hours studying the great books, your confessions, for example. I've yet to study God directly, though I meditate on the goddess. Sometimes I think she's just the higher inner me. Possible heresy, says St. Augustine. Don't you believe in Jesus Christ? Little Lulu smooths down her bright red dress, twists one of her auburn ringlets around her index finger. I did when I was little, says little Lulu, but I lost him in the maze of time. I did admire his hair and his message, Suffer the little children to come unto me. But now I'm a great big little Lulu. I've got no time for divine men and twelve guys at supper. They'd only have me doing dishes. St. Augustine laughs. Be my concubine, little Lulu. But I'll break your vows of abstinence you took so long to come to, says little Lulu. Hmm, says Gus. You're right. We'll just have a spiritual relationship, a platonic relationship, a meeting of our minds. I can offer you a soul in turmoil, says little Lulu. My specialty, says St. Augustine. I can offer you the female perspective, says little Lulu. I've been prepared by Monica, my mom, says St. Augustine. You're on says little Lulu, but remember this, I can leave your clubhouse anytime I want. I won't be your sex slave, and I don't have to read everything you write. You're on, says St. Augustine. 
Two minds are joined now, Little Lulu and Saint. to Judy Wells, reading from her book, Little Lulu Talks with Vincent Van Gogh. Thank you so much, Judy, for sharing these wonderful poems. Thanks, Nina. It's been a pleasure. This has been Nina Serrano with Poet to Poet, wishing you a very, very good day. And thanks to Jill Montgomery, and thanks to you for listening. Greetings. I am Bayan Bakari, and I'm a local filmmaker, inviting you to join KPFA's next movie matinee for a screening of my film, Equinox. The film centers around 18-year-old Malachi, who joins a Rice of Passage program to learn what healthy masculinity looks like. His lessons are put to the test as his mother abuses his disabled father, 